0: Yeah bitch, yeah bitch, show me Steve. Oh, oh, oh. I'm a wild boy. I need Oh.
1: Yeah bitch, yeah bitch, show me Steve. Oh. Yeah bitch, yeah bitch, show me Steve. Oh, oh. I'm a wild boy. I'm a wild boy. I'm a wild boy. Call yeah. Wild boy. Oh, yeah. Bitch, me me We're back. Yeah bitch, yeah bitch, show me Steve. Oh. The five. Podcast. Black Josh, you good? I'm good. Seamus, you good?
0: I'm doing good, boys.
1: Killer Kyle, you good? Killer Kyle, you good? Bueller? Bueller? Bueller. <laughs> he must be eating a a pork chop with a with a spork or something. I don't know what he's doing. He's getting weird. No Killer Kyle tonight. Five Tool Podcast. We are back. Got a good show lined up for you. Got a few things to talk about. First off, I want to go around the room and ask an important question. Seven. Seamus, <laughs> what's your favorite soda pop of all time? <laughs> I'm a Coca Cola guy myself. Uh, you are a Coca Cola guy. You should see his bathroom, everyone. He's got Coca-Cola everything from... He's got his uh, his uh, shower drapes, Coca-Cola, his towels, Coca-Cola. He's got all sorts of Coca-Cola memorabilia. I like Coke over Pepsi, but I do not think it's the best soda of all time. Black Josh, favorite soda of all time. Dr. Pepper. I'm with you. Dr. Pepper is the truth. Do you guys remember Sprite Remix? I remember hearing
2: about it, but I don't remember ever
1: drinking it. I want to say it was like the year 2000, 2001. I remember playing Madden NFL, sitting on my video gamer chair that rocked back and forth, and I'd be drinking a, a rack of Sprite Remix every week, man. That stuff was the best. And I wish they'd come out with it again. It was so, so very good. It was one of my favorites. Another another important question. Seamus, how do you like your steak cooked? Medium. Do you like any sauce on your steak? Why ruin a steak? That's what I'm talking about. Black Josh, how do you like your steak? Medium. See, I'm medium rare. I like some pink in the middle.
0: I get pink in the middle with my medium
1: steak. I want, I want some blood and pink in the middle. And There's yeah, a little bit of pink, but medium. The best way to cook a steak is you get it pretty much just room temperature in the middle. You got a little bit of blood. Very pink, almost Red. And then you got a nice char on the outside. A nice crunchy char on the outside. If you can cook a steak like that, I'll wife you in a heartbeat.
0: Bring me the live cow over to the table. I'll carve off what I want and I'll ride the rest home.
1: There you go. That's what I'm talking about. That sounds dirty. <laughs> that sounds a little bit dirty. Um, so we're going to start the show off today. I got my fantasy baseball draft coming at 2 o'clock in the morning. I don't know why I signed up for this particular league, but the draft is at 2 o'clock in the morning, so that means I have to wake up in the middle of the night, do my fantasy baseball draft, and go right back to bed. But that begs the question, and I'm going to ask each of you guys, which do you think is more important? Should I draft a position player first or a pitcher first? Like, should I go Gram or Mike Trout first? Seamus, I'll take it over to you. What do you think?
0: Oh, sh is a very good question and a hard hard sell um, <clears throat> I have a feeling a lot of people are of the mindset to draft position players first so with that being said I'm thinking you should take the position player you can always grab a pitcher in the second round um, I, I, I don't know I mean that's, that's the way that I would
1: do it but it's, it's do you know what do you know when your pick is I I won't know until it's about draft time. They'll give me the draft order, and then the draft will start. So, for instance, last year, um, I think I drafted fifth, and Yelich was still around somehow. I was pretty early on, but I think Trout went early, Betts went early, and I was somehow that was my first pick was Christian Yelich. I'm kind of debating if I should go that route again. He's obviously going to have a good season, but there's other position players that are going to do well. I think it is wise to go position player first because they don't. I mean, they're playing every day as opposed to every five days. And I did fairly well. I finished fourth in the league last year, and I was very, very happy about it. And I'm representing five tool podcasts in this, in this. so I'm going to be giving updates throughout the season on how the five tool podcasts, uh, fantasy baseball, is going. What about you, Black Josh? Do you think I should go position player or pitcher first? If it's DeGrom or Bellinger, who should I pick first? Oh, my God. Well, then
2: you should pick DeGrom first. You think so? Yeah. Just because I hate Bellinger. Yeah,
1: I hate Bellinger too. But I would wa- have
2: named any other one, and I probably would have went with him.
1: Well, I didn't want to say Yelich because then I know you go Yelich. I wanted to make it a little tougher on you, but I guess it wasn't so tough after all, was no, it? No, not at all. Right. But
2: on a normal basis, I would probably say position player first. Okay. Yeah, I think I'm going to go position player first. I might go two
1: position players, and then start picking, picking pitchers. It's a 12 man league, so it's it's kind of tough to tell because uh, you know the top. 10 position players are going to be out in the first round. Yo. So it might be a little tough after that. I, th- I think you're right, Seamus, that people tend to draft position players first. My rotation wasn't the best last year, but it was still pretty dang good. I actually, bl- my first pick last year was Blake Snell for a pitcher, and he ended up being hurt most of the year on me, which was really, really upsetting. Because he, a- he was coming off a Cy Young year. Kind of, a- kind of hurt me pretty bad. Moving on. But I'll keep everybody updated on the on the five-tool fantasy baseball this year. We're so excited, and you can all make fun of me every time I'm, I'm down in the standings or something, and you can all shit all over me. You know I do. Seamus, update on the Yankees gear.
0: I'm still looking into acquiring it.
1: That's right. When once we'll, Seamus gets his stuff set, we'll have the we'll have the profile picture for every, everybody. It'll be fun. It'll be great. Hopefully, you get it done before the season before you curse your team even more. Um, are you coming down next weekend? Ain't my too?
0: team anymore.
1: <laughs> His team anymore. Are you coming down next weekend?
0: Um, I believe I'm going up north by my my, fo- my family next weekend.
1: Bring him down here. We'll have a party. Black Josh will cook for everybody. Yep. He'll do medium steaks.
2: Salisbury. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely won't be Salisbury A
0: medium Salisbury
2: steak yeah, that, that sounds like death I love
1: Salisbury steak I don't, e- I don't even know if that's possible I don't think it is I love Salisbury steak That was one of my favorite hot lunches Oh, I do
2: too No, they're good
1: but... What was the best hot lunch at school when you were a kid? Square pizzas I love the square pizzas too
2: Yeah or the French bread pizzas were pretty good. We didn't get French bread when I was said yeah, Not very often. Awesome, I just said
0: square fun. pizza, and my 15 year old boy just kind of looked at me with his eyes open.
1: <laughs> square pizza. I love the Salisbury steak day. I wonder if Kyle ate that with a knife and fork. Oh, for sure. He probably ate his corn dogs with a knife and fork. <laughs> corn dogs were another one I looked forward to. I still like a corn right dog. I'm, I'm a grown. I gotta
0: ask the boy what was your favorite school lunch? What
2: is your favorite school lunch? Hot lunch. He's
0: sitting here thinking.
2: Hot lunch, not cold lunch. Hot Come lunch. Come on,
0: dude. This is this is. We're doing radio here. You gotta have an answer.
2: <laughs> we are. We are live. <laughs> live. Gar- he says. Gar- he
0: says garlic cheese bread. Yeah. Holy crap!
1: That sounds terrific. With the marinara sauce. Gotta sauce. have the marinara. Yeah. Nope, don't need it. Yeah, I remember in high school in the salad <laughs> bar they had uh, mozzarella sticks, and I would eat that every day because they were only like eighty-five cents. And I would spend the
2: rest of my money on plants. I used to eat whatever because I was, especially like in high school, because I was probably high the entire time. So I didn't. The rest care of really. your
0: money on plants.
2: <laughs> yeah, I was a big nice. botanist. I was a big botanist in high school. <laughs> uh, trust me, I wasn't wasting that much money on it.
1: <laughs> yeah, hot lunch was awesome. Yeah, I'd say corn dogs, the Salisbury steak. Sometimes they'd have. Um, you know your mashed potatoes and gravy. I was a big fan of that. I always like to mix my corn with the mashed potatoes and gravy. See, I don't like gravy
2: on my mashed potatoes. Are you
1: out of your mind? I don't. Do you like gravy? Yes, butter. Not really? I like butter too, but I, I don't go... even like butter. How do just you not like gravy? Just give
2: me regular fucking mashed potatoes.
1: Lumpy or not lumpy? Either. Do you like the kind that still has the skin flakes in there? No. Oh, I love that stuff. I don't know
2: why it just turns me off. They're like
1: red potatoes or something. Ugh. Oh, God, yeah. Give me that any day. That's all my I mom do, I do
0: like red potatoes. If you do red potatoes, like home fries, those are amazing, with onion, grilled onions in them.
1: Holy cow, it does sound good. That's what you should make for us next weekend when your parents are here. <laughs> cool. <laughs> Seamus.
2: Oh. Well, right. <laughs> if you're not going by your parents, you should come down, and if you do come down, I will have Yankees gear waiting for you.
1: Five-tool Yankees gear. All right. We should talk about sports or something like Just so we like can
0: it. fucking get that shit over with.
1: That's right. Well, but I need to know about ASAP. Excuse me. So you want, a, you want a Judge or Sanchez jersey? No, you don't get to. I the, don't fucking care. You don't get to choose. <laughs> he wants a Clemens. All right, we should talk a little bit about sports. The XFL, hey. hap- the XFL happened today. Nobody cares. That's barely sports. I know. I don't really want to talk much about it either. Cause I was going to say, I thought you said you wanted to talk sports. Yeah, I'm sorry. We'll do a little bit because I th- I found some funny stuff about it, and I want to see if you guys remember any of these players. Nope. <laughs> these are I got a list of former NFL players that are participating in this XFL. The first of which I want to highlight being Landry Jones. Does that n- name ring a bell? Anybody? wide receiver. He's a quarterback. Oh. No, that's Jarvis
0: Landry, and he's oh. still playing.
1: And he's good. Jarvis Landry's good. Um, Jones Landry Jones appeared in five NFL games. Um, he was big in college.
2: hell of a career.
1: Who did he play for? The Jets? He had... I actually don't know. He had five... Eight touchdowns and seven interceptions. With a quarterback rating of 86.2. Another former NFL player participating... You guys remember Matt McGloin? No.
0: The name sounds
1: familiar. He was a bear for a little bit. But he also started six games for the Raiders in 2013... Throwing eight interceptions and eight touchdowns. What about Josh Johnson? No.
0: Isn't he a musician?
1: <laughs> there is a musician, Josh Johnson, as well. But Josh Johnson, he was picked in the fifth round in 2008. And he's been with 13 teams in the NFL since then. Right on the bench. His career... He's got, he's got one hell of a jersey collection. <laughs> yeah, I bet. In his career, he's thrown eight touchdowns. And 14 interceptions for a rating of
2: 61.7. Just a quick update. You said Landry Jones has played in five NFL games? That's what it says here. He has been on three different teams. And and played five (laughs) games. He He was selected by the Pittsburgh Steelers. He also played for the Jaguars and the Raiders. Wow. Legendary. He's a Hall. First ballot. First ballot. Yep.
1: Unanimous Hall of Famer. I got another one for you. (laughs) Christian McCaffrey's brother is in the XFL. His name is Max. Max McCaffrey. And uh, Kyle informed me that he was once on the Packers practice squad. Now, an awesome, awesome stat about Max McCaffrey. You're going to love this. He's had more NFL suspensions than receptions. Sweet. He's had two suspensions and one reception.
2: Two suspensions and one reception. That might be the best thing. That's ever.
0: the kind of player I aspire to be. <laughs>
2: right. And the last
1: one I want to highlight has another great stat about him. Connor Cook. I know you guys, I'm sure you guys remember him. No. 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 Connor, nope. Connor Cook, he He was with the Steelers. He was drafted in the fourth round of the 2016 NFL Draft, and he started more postseason games than NFL games. One postseason game, zero NFL games. He was terrible. <laughs> 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 so, yeah, so there's like I think two games today I don't even remember who won. I just don't care. I don't see it making it through, but e s p n and Fox they're really really pushing to make this a thing like there there's constant on e s p n radio for instance, there's constant ads about it, they're forcing it on every sports center update every hour they're they're just trying so hard to make this a thing I just I want to believe that there could be fo- meaningful football in the spring, but I just don't see it happening. It's failed once before. The AAF made it eight games last year when they tried.
2: Is that uh, the Arena
1: League? No, the AAF was the the short-lived outdoor football league that they tried last season. Oh, I don't even. I never. I forgot that even happened. I know it was
0: only a year ago.
1: It was, yeah, it was last. It was last year.
0: Good it was God. just
1: before we started this podcast that was like going on, and I, I thought about talking about it, but, but but at that point we were strictly a baseball. No, show.
0: we thing did we didn't. I think we did bring that up. I
1: think we did maybe talk about it just a little bit. Yeah, that was probably like
0: two seconds, but I think we did.
1: Well, yeah. apparently that was two seconds too long. What? Yeah, that's about how long the season lasted as well. <laughs> they yeah they went bankrupt after eight games and didn't even finish their season. At least the XFL made it their first full season the first time around. Uh, Killer Kyle let me know. He said he was watching the Houston XFL game earlier and that. Um, the stands were virtually empty. There was nobody there. I don't think you need football year-round. I really don't. And it's like it's a, it's a, it's a minor league. Like You're going to get as many minor people watching minor league football as you watch minor league baseball. I mean, that's, that's, you get more, more people at a college game than the XFL, and I think that's always going to be the case.
2: Is it sad that I look more forward to the NFL offseason than I do the actual NFL season? Really?
1: Yeah. The
2: off-season? Yeah. I, I, I mean, I do too, because that
1: means baseball's coming up. Yeah. Pretty much. <laughs> i totally with you. I, I watch football as a means to get me through the off-season of baseball when the hot stove is so hot and it's cool. Um. So moving on, we'll talk about real sports. Baseball is back. We talked a lot about that Mookie Betts deal. Seamus, I know you want to get to this. But that is now... At a standstill, and it's kinda interesting what's going on. And so the Red Sox actually balked after receiving after reviewing Bruce Ratterall's medical records. They decided he would be better suited as a reliever when Boston intended to have him a starter, and they went over his medical records. He was the eighty-third MLB pipeline top prospect in the top hundred. And they decided that because of his medical records, he'd be better suited as a reliever rather than a starter, which isn't at all what Boston was looking for. I don't really know. It seems like they just wanted to get a salary dump. I don't know why they're trying to get something out of this at this point. Um, And then the Red Sox, after that, they asked the Twins to add another top prospect. And now it turns out the Twins may just pull out of the deal completely, and this also affects the Jack Peterson deal from the Dodgers to the Angels that involves Ross uh, Ross Stripling going to the Angels as well and Luis Regnifo going to the Dodgers. Seamus, what do you think? I mean, everything seems to be up in the air at this point. What do you think about this, this nonsense that's going on here?
0: I'm absolutely loving this, because this is karma, instant karma coming back on the Red Sox.
1: It does kind of seem that way. They They're, they're trying to pull a Babe Ruth-type deal here, selling away their best player, generational talent, and now it's, there's, it's all being held up in the air, and they're they're getting nothing back, and they're starting to realize it. This is God giving them a second chance at not fucking up. Yeah, but at this point, if you're Mookie Betts, you already know they don't want you there. They, you already know they're not trying to win. They're just doing a salary dump. If I were Mookie, I'd be, I'd be livid. I'd be I'd be like, hey, get this fucking deal done so I can get out of the New
2: England area. Or do you come back even stronger and have a fucking MVP season again? Like, hey, you wanted to fucking get rid of me. This is what I'm gonna fucking do. Now get rid of me again, bitch. Seamus and Josh, I heard an interesting take, kind of
1: regarding what you were saying, is that maybe Boston, it could have gone in one or two ways. Maybe Boston was planning on re-signing him after this trade, because I mean his his he's in free agency after the season, and maybe Boston was thinking about pulling him right back and giving him the deal they want after this. But it would be kind of weird to not have him for a season and then try to sign him back. What do you think about that, Seamus? I
0: I do believe that that, that's the thing. I mean, because right now, with with Boston trying with the Sox trying to re-sign Mookie before he hits free agency, Mookie has Mookie doesn't know what the market value is gonna be. I mean, he's asking for the moon. And the the other thing to think about is that you know, he was asking for or the, the Red Sox offered. 300 mil at 12 years. And Mookie's look at Mookie came, Mookie's team came back, uh, Mookie's side came back with wanting like 420. And it was the years that the Sox had a problem with. Um, so right now, he can only negotiate with Boston. If you let him go and then try and Resign him after the end of this season well then he's going to have suitors and he's going to find out what the market is i mean mike trout let's be honest if you look at the mike trout deal mike trout didn't even get really mike trout money he took because he he signed that extension before he before his contract was up so he took less money to stay
1: yeah, oh, for per year he's still making about thirty five million a year. I mean, but it was over. I think they gave him ten or twelve years, and I think three hundred fifty. Right? It was close to four. Something like that. Yeah. It was a pretty damn good deal.
0: Yeah, and, the, and deal. The, the thing is, the thing is, is that you know if if you can get prospects for him now and deal him, and then. Go after him and and let him find out what the market is. Let the Red Sox find out what the market is. That's the other reason I think Boston didn't want to go higher than what they offered. Because there isn't a market for a full-on value for a player like Mookie Betts. Because, as I said, Mike Trout didn't even get Mike Trout money when he signed his extension. So the Red Sox aired on the side of caution in their in their offer. I still think it was bullshit. You got a player like Mookie. You pay the man what he's worth. He's worth an average annual value of thirty five million a year.
1: Yeah, just yeah, just like Mike Trout, just around the money that Bryce Harper's getting, around the the money that Manny Machado is getting. For sure, he deserves that. So, but I don't think so, I don't think that. Mookie should be making. I mean, it, it it shouldn't exceed Mike Trout numbers. I don't know why he's looking at four hundred twenty million. Yeah, I think, I think the 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 deal for Trout was I think it was twelve years, around four hundred million. I think it was just shy of four hundred million. But yeah, Mookie deserves at least close to that much. But then, yeah, I, I guess I get what you're saying. You get this way, you get a prospect out of it, and you resign him anyways, and you just spend a year. Yeah, I got it.
2: Because
0: the other thing that hasn't been really looked at during this whole thing is apparently at some point Mookie Betts was talking to Fred Lynn. Really? And he told, yeah, and it's it's been reported, Karabas reported it, and he he did a whole write-up on it, that Mookie told Fred Lynn that he doesn't want to leave Boston. He wants to stay. And that's an interesting twist in all of this.
1: Yeah, I I didn't hear that either. I mean, I I don't know why. Um, If I were him, I'd want to stay too, but only if the team's planning to win with him.
0: Well, and and I agree. I, I think, you know, the other thing you look at is you do this trade, gets them under the luxury tax threshold, and it also allows them another full season to get some other money coming off of the books after the season ends. And then they've got more money to go after him and do what they want to do. That initially was the plan when the Red Sox weren't able to re-sign John Lester. And John Lester ended up going out to Oakland. Right. Once he was out in Oakland, he found out that, hey, playing for another team really isn't all that bad. And then once he finished his time in Oakland, then he that was when he signed with the Cubs. My hope is that if if this is the plan of the Red Sox to let him go the year with one year left on his deal and then try and go after him in free agency after the season, my hope for that, if that's the case, is that it doesn't backfire on them with bets the way that it did with John Lester.
1: I mean it might. I mean, yeah, it might it might come that he goes to a team like the Dodgers, and he, he could go win a ring. The thing about the Red Sox is, with all the talent that they had last year, with all the salary that they were paying over the luxury tax threshold, they still weren't even able to make the playoffs, which is concerning. Well,
0: last year was last year was a dumpster fire. I mean, and last year also proves, like I had said on Wednesday, that this year, this twenty eighteen. Was lightning in a bottle?
1: I think so. I mean, they have they have all the talent in the world. I mean, they have Xander Bogarts. They got an an excellent young third baseman in Rafael Devers. Nunez. I'm sorry. Yeah, Devers. And Devers, and Vasquez, and and then you got Chris Sale, and it's like it, it seems like you have all these pieces. Why they can't get over? I mean, yeah, it's a really tough division with the Rays and Yankees. But with all that talent, they couldn't get over the hump. And even if you sign Mookie Betts, he wants to be somewhere to to go win. And now he's already, obviously, he's growing more comfortable with the fact that he might not be a Red Sox for his entire career. So it's kind of concerning. I mean, if I were him, I'd go where the money is because... and where the the wins are. And it doesn't seem like that Boston is the place for that at this point in time.
0: I just... I just think, like I said, I, I just think it's kind of it's kind of humorous that, you know, it's because like I had said on Wednesday, this, this is the second time that they've done this in the, in the history of the franchise. The first time was with Babe Ruth, and it took a while for karma to hit the Red Sox in the face with that one. This is almost like instant karma.
1: It seems like it's
0: like so in- you, you guys realize what the hell's going on here. Oh, yeah. and we're not going wa- to wait. Karma's not going to wait eighty six years to slap you in the face.
1: Well, that be—it's a lot better to have it slap you in the face now than eighty six have eighty six years of mediocrity again, like they had the first time around. Um, oh, absolutely. It seems like they're trying to get a pitching prospect, but it sounds like the Twins aren't willing to part with anybody, which is going to kind of goof up this whole deal. So it could go one of two ways. It could be a two-team deal just between the Dodgers and the Red Sox now, and I think the Dodgers would be willing to part with the prospect because they need to win now. The Dodgers are now the team that the Red Sox once were, and, like, the Cubs, well, maybe not so much the Cubs, but the Red Sox once were, where you're a major market franchise. You haven't won in over 30 years, and if you don't win now, I mean, your fans are already pissed, and you got, you'd got you be stacked with Mookie Betts on the roster it's make or break, so I wouldn't be surprised if the Dodgers just make this a two-team deal between the Dodgers and Red Sox or another third team could get involved and try to get some pieces. But, I mean, the the, the, the crazy part about this is I know the MLB um, Players Association was really upset on Thursday already saying, like, hey, this deal needs to get done. There's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven other players involved in this deal who, like... They have to move their families, and they don't know. They probably put their homes up for sale already, and now they, they're they not sure if they're leaving, and they're not sure if they're going to be a part of this, one of the pieces to this trade anymore. And it's like, there's people's lives on the line, like in their livelihoods, and their families, and their kids, and everything about them is hanging in the balance of Star Gratterall. You know, not the Red Sox not agreeing with him that they want to relieve her and that they want a starter. So, I mean, it's... It's all just numbers on paper and 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 names and and news feeds that we're talking about right now. But in real life, these are real players whose lives hang in the balance of what's going on here. And hopefully, they get this deal done soon, just for to make those people and their families make their lives a little smoother. Because it's been it's almost spring, like it's we're weeks away from spring training, like less than three weeks away from spring training. And for Boston, they. They haven't even gotten their investigation done yet, so they don't even know what's happening to them in terms... Right. Yeah, they don't even have a manager right now. I I will note that, and I want to talk about it just real quickly. The Red Sox, tentatively, it sounds like they're going with Ron Renneke.
2: That's what I read.
1: Yeah. They haven't actually signed him as the manager yet, but it sounds like the Red Sox are going with Ron Renneke, the former Brewers manager. Um he was the Brewers manager from 2011 until May of 2015 when he was fired and Craig Counsell took over as interim, and then he's been our great manager ever since. Renicky was 342 and 331 with the Brewers. He had three winning seasons in the four full seasons that he was there. And I want to ask you guys, what do you think of Ron Reneke managing the Red Sox? Starting with you, uh, Black Josh. I think
2: it's a joke. You think it's a joke? Yeah. I don't think Reneke's that good of a manager. I like them with Milwaukee, actually. Um I you know, like how far did we go with
1: Ron Rennickey? Uh, we made the playoffs. <laughs> what twenty eleven. Yeah. Once? Yeah. I think I mean that that's pretty kind. that's more than most Brewers managers can say. Seamus, what do you think of Ron Rennickey managing the uh Boston Red Sox? Is this just a one year band aid or is this something that's gonna be for real?
0: I think it's gonna end up being a band aid. Um yep. Honestly, I like Renicky better as a bench coach than a manager. Um, he has a very good baseball mind and, and and I'm not I'm not gonna take anything away from that. I just seeing what he did he, he his ability to relate to players is one of his drawbacks. I think that's that's a deficiency that he has. And that's what makes it difficult for me to say he's a good fit anywhere as a manager.
1: Yeah, that's kind of the point that I was going to go on. That's the one thing that I noticed in Milwaukee, is he's not he's not a loud, obnoxious, like he's not an in-your-face kind of manager going to shout at the umps like Craig Council's done for us. He's not a team, you know, he's not a player's coach at all. Like he does not embody that part of the game at all where like he's involved with the players he's He's not getting in, into games. He is a good baseball mind. He had a winning record with the Brewers. He did take us to the postseason and nearly the World Series in 2011. So, I mean, that's for something. That's better than most right. Brewers managers have done for us. Our, I mean, that's better than Phil Garner ever did for us. And I like Phil Garner, too. But it was just getting counsel after Reneke. It's like, oh, my God, I wish we would have had counsel these last five seasons. because. Council I think is a big step up because I think you gotta have a guy who can relate to players and Ron Rennickey's not that, and I think you're right, he is just gonna be a band-aid. And who knows, maybe A. J. Hinch goes and manages the Red Sox. <laughs> who knows what's gonna happen after the season, but I agree, Seamus. I think he's just a band aid. Uh, Seamus, what did you think of Rennekee as a manager with Milwaukee?
0: Um, just just like I was saying, I mean good baseball mind, um, I think he handled a game situation very well, but I think his lack of personability as far as players are concerned made it very, very difficult for him to run a clubhouse, and if you don't have that good rapport with your guys in the clubhouse, it's going to be even more difficult to have a good rapport with them in a game and, and when those decisions that have to be made matter. Um. that's like I said that's where I thought he really struggled
1: yeah and it's interesting because like Craig Council is a player he was never like that you know on the bench guy having antics joking around with people and then when he became a manager he allows that and you didn't see the players having fun from 2011 to 2015 when Renike was managing you didn't see them goofing around you didn't see you know the Orlando Arcia Jesus Aguilar you know goofing off making jokes sticking gum in the guy's helmet like Council was fine with that, and he let the players be themselves. And I feel like it was like a too tightly wound of a ship when Ron Renneke was managing the Brewers, though I do think his tenure with the Brewers was a successful one. I mean, if if you're a winning manager with the Brewers, that's saying a lot because our history has not been one of winning a great amount of ball games, to be honest. Moving on. Agreed. I know. I always say this is the last time we're going to talk about it. But more information has come out about the sign stealing scandal with the Astros. Um, Jared Diamond uh, of the Wall Street Journal came out with the report. Um, and it turns out it was really an intern that started this entire sign stealing scandal with the Houston Astros. Um, so some details came out about it, and it's, it was called the Code Breaker Program. And this started already late 2016, early 2017. And it turns out that Jeff Luna was approached by a team intern in 2016 with a presentation on an Excel-based application that could decode signs from opposing catchers live in game. This program was called Codebreaker, and it was routinely referred to as the dark arts among employees of the Houston Astros. So that sounds like some Harry Potter shit. I know, doesn't it? Like this just keeps getting deeper and deeper and crazier and crazier. It would operate by having someone watch a live feed of the games and log catcher's signs into an Excel spreadsheet with the pitch that was thrown. So they were documenting this live and in-game, and the algorithm would break down the correlation between the signs and the pitches. And that later evolved into the bang in the trash cans and the buzzer and all that fun stuff. Well, the buzzer's never been proven, actually and it extended to road games as well as home contests. So now it's actually come out that this was not just in home games in Houston and in MMA Park, but it was also something that happened on the road. The interesting thing is that this is all started with an intern, and he's still with the team. That guy hasn't been fired at all. Nothing, nothing has happened to that guy. So it's so like... About the intern? Yeah, well, that's,
0: that's probably because it hasn't been brought up that he was involved until this point. Now that that's coming out, Watch him end up getting canned.
1: You think he is going to get canned? I I would. I would assume
0: they they let the they let the GM and the manager go. Right. When and and then it was also revealed that this was pretty much initial reports was this was Alex Cora's baby. Yeah. So if if they're letting those guys go, I I bet you ten to one this intern is gone.
1: Yeah, and now yeah, probably, and now it's coming out more and more that Jeff now was more heavily involved than we initially thought. Well, I always thought he was in the know, being a GM, but it turns out he's been promoting this. There was emails between him and this intern throughout this, the last couple seasons of him being very heavily involved, and that can be read in the Jeff Diamond's piece for the Wall Street Journal. And now AJ Hinch has opened up in an interview on on Friday um, regarding. The fact that he did, in fact, know about what was going on, and he he quotes, he says, I wish I would have done more. Right is right, and wrong is wrong, and we were wrong. The most interesting part about this interview with Tom Verducci he did with uh, ESPN is Hinge declined to de- definitively answer whether or not the Astros used a buzzer system to alert batters. He didn't say yes, he didn't say no, he just kind of let it go. So, Jeff, I mean... Black Josh, you think they were using I mean, at this point it's almost obvious they had to have been using buzzers, right?
2: I mean, I wouldn't I wouldn't doubt it at this point, I guess. Right. All this all this has already came out, so why wouldn't they use buzzers? It's like we said in the past, right? I, I could believe anything about this shit at this point. And
1: yeah, at this point, yeah. At this point, Easily. it's like anything could be true. Um uh, he told uh, AJ Hinge told Tom Verducci... That he knew a suspension was on the table. He didn't think it would cost him his job. I, Duh. <laughs> I think it's pretty. Ah. Yeah, I mean, you're going to get a year of suspension. What are they going to do? Sit around and wait for you for a year? Yeah, no. No. This is a team that's still <laughs> going to win a lot of games this year. I mean, what do you, what do you guys think? Who's going to win that AL West division? Um, Houston, Angels, Mariners?
2: I think the Angels Rangers? are going to take it this year.
1: Think the Angels will? You think they're good? Enough? I think they're so damn close. What about you, Seamus? You think the Angels are the? It's probably Angels or Astros. Who do you think is going to win that ALS?
0: I'm still going to. I'm sticking with the Astros. Although Texas has made some decent moves too. Texas is not a team to be. Isn't going to end up being a team that shouldn't be ignored this
1: year. I, I completely agree. I think the Rangers are going to probably break 500 this year. But I'm with you. I think the Astros still have enough depth. They still have Zach Greinke. They still have Justin Verlander. They still have Garrett... Well, they don't have Garrett Cole. They still have really good pitching and How a really good offense. How are you going up Zach Greinke? He's not even that good. Zach Greinke's a Hall of Famer, and he's, he looked good towards the end of last year. There's no doubt He there.
0: did. He's actually... I think he's actually been better his last couple of years than he was his first couple of years.
1: Yeah, once he stopped trying to throw heat, and he slowed down kind of the way Clayton Kershaw's remained relevant and under three in an ERA every year, like... Um, Zach Granke's learned to slow his pitches down, use a little more deception, use a little more of a breaking ball in more like 30 some percent of situations rather than what it used to be, which was in the low 20s. Yeah, Zach Granke's doing. He's pitching,
0: he's pitching to his strengths.
1: Yeah, he's pulling Gran Maddox stuff. And that's something that we're seeing great pitchers do when they can't throw as hard, other than Justin Verlander. That guy can still throw 100 or 90 in the upper 90s for his 103rd pitch of the game. The guy is. A specimen, man, that guy's absolutely incredible. Yeah, I'm kind of with you that that I think the Astros are still going to take that division. In terms of the Rangers, you got to give teams time. Everyone's saying that the Reds are going to pass the Brewers this year in in the standings, just because they have this this new team with these stars and they're making all these big moves. You got to give things time to develop. I don't see the Reds. Oh, and that was
0: what. That was what I said the night that we were kind of talking about all the moves that were done in the NL Central. Yeah, they made a lot of great moves, but the chemistry, the chemistry is not going to be instantaneous.
2: Yeah, it's not just going to happen overnight. It doesn't need to be instantaneous, though. There's 162 games in a season.
1: Yeah, but you got to give these things time to develop. I mean, I really do. I don't think the, I think, I don't think the Reds, I think the Reds finished third. I think it's going to be... They're definitely not going to be last. Cardinals, Brewers, and you know the Cubs, I don't know. This division's so tough, isn't it? Everyone's with the Pirates. The, like, Pirate,
0: the Pirates are going to finish in last place.
1: I think we can all agree the Pirates... Agreed. ...are going to have one of the worst records in baseball. But then the one through four, like, I don't know. Well,
2: I really the don't... Cubs are going to do like they always do. They're going to start out hot, and then towards the end of the season, they're going to fall off, just like they do every season. But
1: where does that put them by the end? You know, where does by that... the
2: end, they're going to be in fourth.
1: Holy shit! You think the Reds? See, I don't think the Reds are even better than the Cubs yet. Oh, they are. I I have reason to believe that that pitching rotation for the Cubs is finally going to come together, as it started to show signs towards the end of last year. All that money they put there, there's no reason to believe that they're not eventually, you know, going to pay off. That's a tough one. And we're gonna in the future, we're having um, on the twenty second, we're gonna have Eric Agnew from the Miller Park Minute. We're gonna give our base Brewers baseball season preview. Stay tuned for that show. That's going to be tough to break down that division.
2: It's um, not, though. I think it is. I, we'll, we'll,
1: what do you at? Preview right now. Black Josh, 1-5. How's that division stack up?
2: 1-5. through five. I think Cardinals are still going to take it. But then I think it's going to be Cardinals, Reds, Brewers, Cubs, Pirates. So the Brewers are falling That's out. That's exactly what I think. I don't, I don't see the Reds getting second. I think the Reds are going to fucking shock everybody. Well, I don't think it'd be a shock. They'd be the like Reds a, are going to be a wild card team. Wow.
1: Wow. Okay. Yeah. We'll we'll get to that. Bold prediction Bold of the prediction. day. Bold prediction: The Reds are going to win the World Series. <laughs> I didn't say all that. <laughs> <laughs> I just said they're going to be a wild card team. Right, I just. All right. Moving on. I just want to talk. I, I realize neither of you guys, baseball guys, this is something I planned on for Kyle, but Kyle is floating in outer space doing God knows what right now. What the now.
2: fuck are you talking about?
1: I want to talk Bucks real quick.
2: That's not baseball, that's basketball.
1: Just for a second, just because you have to. Bucks 45-7 on the season. The only reason I want to bring this up, and this, this is kind of a tease for a future show, we'll probably talk about this Wednesday. It sounds like the Miami Heat are stacking up. They did the uh, free, free agency and trades ended just recently for the basketball on Thursday. It sounds like they're stacking up to get Giannis in the future. They're going to try to take him from us, and I want to get everybody's takes next Wednesday on it. So just a quick tease. But, but... I've prepared something for the for the next ten or so episodes. This is something that was going to be on every episode. The Milwaukee Brewers' top ten greatest players in franchise history. I've compiled a list. People, we love lists here at the Five Tool Podcast. So, Butcher's top ten greatest Brewers of all time, and I want to I want to give you guys my thoughts, and I want to get your take. You starting at ten. I'm starting at 10. Good job. But first... No, There's I'm going to no, start at 5. What? <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> well, I didn't, I, th- I didn't know if you were going to start at 1 or 10. I'm going to go 5 to 10 and then 4 to 1. I'm just kidding. I'm going to start at 10. But first I want to do honorable mentions. And I'm going to piss a lot of people off with this, this top 10 list. But I have my reasons and I will be happy to explain my reasons. Just with my honorable mentions, I'm going to piss people off. And I can't wait to hear Seamus' take on this, because he's been a, a baseball fan for as long as he's been alive. So honorable mentions... Uh, oh, am, I am prepared to judge you. Please, judge hard. I can't wait for the criticism of all this. So the three honorable mentions that I have pointed out. Number one, Storm and Gorman Thomas did not make the list. These are the guys just kissing the outside of the 10. Gorman Thomas, he spent 11 years with the crew. He was an all-star in 81. He gets a lot of love, and he's in the Brewer's Walk of Fame and all that. But I don't think many people realize this one stat. Gorman Thomas batted 225 over his 11-year career. Wow. He was kissing like the Mendoza line, just over the Mendoza line. He had 268 home runs. His OPS is only seven seventy That's below the 800. you know... Good or average player, or good, better than average player line. He had a war of 19.8 in 11 seasons. Just to give you a little taste, Christian Yelich in his, uh, what, six year career is a 33.6 war already. He's almost doubled Gorman Thomas's 11 years. Um, Gorman Thomas, when he spent with the Brewers, um, those 11 years, uh, he batted 230 with 208 home runs, a 786 war, I mean, OPS. He's a good fielding and a very strong arm out in center field. In 1979 was probably his best season. He wasn't an all-star this year, which doesn't make sense to me, but he hit 45 dingers in 79, 123 RBIs, 97 runs scored, 136 hits with an 895 OPS. So he was very good for a very like a four-year window upon looking at his stats, but his overall career was not even average of a baseball player. So Seamus, what do you think about Storm and Gorman not being in the top ten on my list?
0: I'm perfectly okay with that one. I mean, yeah, he was known for, at the end of the day, going across National Avenue over to the 4th Base Bar and chugging beer with the locals.
1: Right, yeah.
0: But, um, you know, I I agree. I mean, yeah, he was a fan favorite. He's always, I think he's always going to be a fan favorite because he was, his appearance and his demeanor was always such a blue-collar guy. But looking at the numbers... I don't have a problem with you putting him on your honorable mention list.
1: Right, yeah, he you you hit the nail on the head. He was a fan favorite because he embodied that 80s brewers which was guys with a lot of hair, a lot of body hair and like long beard and they didn't shave very often and they had beer belly and they drank. That's
2: Are you describing me or
1: what? You'd be a great brewer in the 80s. <laughs> Jesus Christ. But that's what the brewers were in the 80s and he embodied that for sure. And fan favorite, I understand. He would actually, you know, go and drink with the people. And he owned a bar with another guy that we'll talk about soon. Black Josh, what do you think? you think Gorman Thomas is a top ten or you think I'm good with keeping him off the top ten? I think you're good with keeping him off. Thank you. I'm glad you guys agree with that. Next one, another honorable mention. This one was hard for me. This guy really could be on the list, and he could be argued against some of the guys that do end up making the list, so keep him in mind when I'm going through the list later on as to whether or not you think he should be on. But Ben Ogilvy, he was a pretty close-to-great player. He spent nine years with the Brewers. He was a three-time All-Star. That's 1980, 82, and 83 he was an All-Star. His career batting average is 273. That's very respectable. He hit 235 dingers with a 786 OPS. 26.4 26.4 career war, which actually exceeds one, two, three, four players that I have on my actual top 10. So you can argue me hard on this Ben Ogilvy one. With Milwaukee, he batted 277, had an 806 OPS with Milwaukee. So his better years were played with the Brewers. He went to the World Series with them. He was a silver slugger in 1980, and he led the AL with home, in home runs in 1980 with 41. What do you think, Seamus? Ben Ogilvy not on the list. Are you mad or what? Um,
0: I'm I'm a little surprised. Now I I am a little bit biased. I loved Benny. Um, I thought he was such a good player. Um, but now here again, you know, I haven't heard what your list is, so you know that could determine how I eventually feel about. Ogilvy not being on your list, but as as of right now, I'm I'm willing to see how it all plays out.
2: Yeah, I gotta agree. I think it's hard to hard to judge without without hearing your actual list. Okay. That's
0: fine. If you would have given me your top ten and then said, Well, here are my honorable mentions I'd probably have a little bit better input. I mean I you do, you do you and you do this list the way that you want to because it's yours. I'm just saying me personally, that would, that would allow – once I hear the list itself, I don't, that's going to allow me to have more of an opinion about the, the folks that made honorable mentions. That's
1: fair. So as we go every episode, when I, when I do give out my next number, I will mention the honorable mentions and you can argue those guys against me. Um, because Ben Ogilvie was very hard for me to leave off the list, but I think once you hear some of these other guys, you might even be mad when I give you my number 10 today. But I I have some arguments as to why I think... I fully intend to be upset. (laughs) You might be. Just my number 10 alone might get you guys rattled. My third honorable mention that I'm going to bring up, and I know he's another huge fan favorite for reasons that are very obvious to us, but this guy didn't play (laughs) that great. Um... Jimmy Gantner is not on my top 10 list. Um, he spent 17 years, his entire 17-year career. <laughs> Josh just grabbed his gun. <laughs> I fully intend on getting upset today. Um, James, you still there, right? James? Yeah,
0: I'm, 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 I'm wanting to hear where this goes. Okay,
1: so he spent his entire 17-year career with the Brewers. He was born in Fond du Lac, so that's another reason why people love this guy. He did have a two seventy-four career batting average, which was slightly better than Ogilvy. He had 47 home runs in in his entire career. He was not a home run hitter. That's fine. That's not bad. His OPS was .671. That's that's like Arcia numbers, right? Like
0: yeah, but he's he, he again. He wasn't a home run hitter.
1: But his OPS is not so, base plus like, so. I guess it goes down a little bit. But I mean, if you're getting hits and walks. And you're getting finding ways to get Yeah, but what
0: was his, his on-base percentage? What was his straight on-base percentage?
1: That I don't have right now. Black Josh, get the on-base. Jimmy Gantner had a 22-point... Jimmy Gantner. He had a 22.5 career war, which is better than two guys that I have on my top ten. And he is a legend because he scored the go-ahead run in Game 7 of the ALCS in 82 that brought us to the World Series. He scored the run. He was hit in by Cecil Cooper. And he was really good at defense and turning double plays. Not great at defense, but he was known for his double double plays, which is how we got the nickname Gumby. Uh, Black Josh, uh, on-base percentage for Jimmy Gantner career.
2: 319.
1: 319. Res-
2: respectable, I guess. I mean... 47 home runs, really?
1: His career, yeah. He wasn't, wow. a, he wasn't a dinger guy.
2: He was definitely not a dinger guy. Not
1: at all. In 17 years,
2: yeah.
0: He was a singles and a doubles guy.
1: Right. But, yeah, 319 on-base isn't legendary. I mean, he got on base a third of the times. I mean, you got Mike Trout, who's got like a 380, I think, for his career. I mean, more than that, I think he's close to four for on base. But yeah, that's, of course, the best. Um, Jimmy Gantner's never been an all-star. He's never even been close in the MVP race. He was a player's player. He was an effective defender at second base. Mike Trout's on-base percentage for his career right now is 419. Jesus, 100 points better than Jimmy Gander. Obviously, that's the best against... I think Jim Gander was an average player. I think he served a purpose, and he was good, really good for about five years, but in 17 years, he was, he was just a serviceable starter, and I think in today's baseball, he might not even be a starter. So please, hang me out to dry, Seamus. Uh,
0: I'm, I'm not happy about this. I, I think Jimmy Gantner, when he played, he was a very, he, he was a very intellectual player. He was a very, very smart player. Um, and he wasn't, he didn't put up a lot of big numbers, but he was, he was very good when it counted. You know, he's up at bat. The Brewers need a hit. They need something to get in between the gaps somewhere. <clears throat> He's going to put the ball where you need it to go to keep the line moving. And I here again, I'm really really interested to hear what your top 10 is because on this one I don't know if I agree.
1: That's fair. That's fair and you could once I give you my 10, you can hang me out to dry. But yeah, what I my, my summary on Jimmy Gander is, is he was a serviceable player. I don't think he was worth spending 17 seasons on. That's basically where I'm going with that. But that brings me to number 10 on my list, and I think it will upset you, but I have some reasons, I, have some, I think some pretty decent arguments as to why this guy belongs. So he only played with the Brewers for five seasons out of his 11-year career. So that's where you can hang me out to dry alone, I think. But as a player... And what he did for this team while he was here... And really, he only had three good years with the Brewers. But what he did with the Brewers was he was one of the best pitchers in baseball and won a Cy Young in 1982. I'm, of course, talking about Pete Vukovic. He was very much like Storm and Gorman in stature. He was tall. He was burly. He was Serbian-American. He was 6'4". He liked to spit. He liked to... To intimidate players, he had bizarre, hyper-competitive behavior during his 12-season career. He would fidget, twitch, pace, convulse while he was on the mound. He would... He would cross his eyes at the batter. He would stick out his tongue and wag it at him. He would spit in his glove. He would scream at umpires while he was in the middle of the stretch. Sometimes he would step to the back of the mound and just dry heave. He was super intimidating. His colorful personality is what made him such a fan favorite. He very much embodied that 80s Brewers that was just burly and kind of gross and sweaty and hairy-chested. But he won a Cy Young with the Brewers. In 1982, he had a 14-and-a he had a 14-4 record in 81. He had a he had a career um ERA of let's see 366 as a pitcher. He was he was awesome. He had 882 strikeouts in his career. He took us to a World Series. Now, Seamus, I know you're gonna bring this up. In his postseason records only one and two, and he lost he did suffer a loss to the Cardinals in the World Series in a six to two game, but you can't put too much on the pitcher for that. Giving up six runs, yeah, that's quite well, he didn't give up all six of those runs but he wasn't the reason they lost, okay? So please hang me out to dry. I got Pete Vukovic, number 10 on the butcher's list of greatest brewers of all time. I have no problem with Pete Vuk being in your oh, top thank 10. Thank you so much. <laughs> awesome. I, I mean... have
0: absolutely no problem with that.
1: Yeah. He was one of the reasons that we made the world the playoffs back-to-back years. He was
0: a horse.
1: He was a horse 14 and 4 in in the season that in the 1981 when we made the playoffs he took i mean you could argue that in his starts it was almost a guaranteed w and again in 1982 when he went 18 and 6 18 wins were attributed to him 105 strikeouts that year i mean he was just a fucking horse and I think he's a big reason for the Brewer's success in the 1980s, early 1980s, when, when we were there, and after that he suffered an injury and he was hurt, had some bad seasons after that. Black Josh, your thoughts on VoO.:
2: uh, Well looking at his, I'm looking at just his stats for Milwaukee alone.: Yeah, so in the five years he was with Milwaukee, his record was 40 and 26. Good. So yeah, and his, his ERA with Milwaukee was 3.88. That's pretty fucking good. I mean, I don't. I don't have no complaints. Thank you. All right. Other than he has a very high walking. Oh yeah. Well, yeah.
1: What do you got there for the walk? So walks? for
2: his Cy Young season, he had 105 strikeouts, 102,
1: 102 walks. walks. Wow. That's that. That's shocking. That's something I didn't know. That's something I didn't look into. But yeah, I think it's. I think P. Vukovich was, like I said, he was very instrumental in bringing the Brewers. To the pennant and also
2: instrumental in bringing the Brewers. He was the MVP in that same season of 82?
1: Let me see that. What I don't, does that
2: say? Or does that... Was there a number by it? Yeah.
1: Yeah, that means he was that in the MVP voting. Oh. Well, what number is that? 18. He was 18th in MVP voting that year. So, there you have it. That's my number 10 on the top 10 greatest Brewers of all time. Every episode until the baseball season, basically, or until I get through these 10, I will give you my next on the list. Of top 10 brewers of all time. Now. We're going to end this episode in a very different way than we normally do. (laughs) He's cocking his gun over there at me. Um, But that's not how we're going to end it. Nobody's dying at the end of this episode, hopefully. You'll live to tell another tale. (laughs) So we only got a few minutes. I want to get to this. Seamus, this is directed at you, buddy. I'm so glad you're here tonight. Or at least on the show tonight. Because this is directed at you. You told me that... You're not going to participate in watching baseball activities this year, and I came up with something that I think might hopefully change your mind. And this is what I got for you. I, you, it was really on my mind the fact that you might not be watching baseball this year. So I pulled up this poem by Greg Hall from 2000. He did it on I think it was a Sunday Night Baseball broadcast, and it's a poem.
0: Oh, you're gonna you're gonna tell him a poem. I'm gonna read a That's poem. So
1: sweet. It's called Baseball Is. <laughs>
0: I've never had anybody read poetry to me before. I feel so, so good in life.
1: Hopefully this helps you, inspire you to watch baseball this season. Can I do this? This is the funniest
2: thing ever.
1: Here we go. Baseball is grass, chalk, and dirt displayed the same yet differently. In every park that has ever heard the words, play ball. Baseball is a passion that bonds and divides all those who know it. Baseball is a pair of hands stained with newsprint. A set of eyes squinting to read a box score. A brow creased in an attempt to recreate a three-hour-long game from an inch-square block of type. Baseball is the hat I wear to mow the lawn. Baseball is a simple game of catch and the never-ending search for the perfect knuckleball. Baseball is Willie versus Mickey, Gibson versus Koufax, and Buddy Biancala versus The Odds. Baseball links Kansan and Majurin, American and Japanese, but most of all, father and son. Baseball is the scent of spring, the unmistakable sound of a double down the line, and the face of a ten-year-old emerging from a pile of bodies. With a worthless, yet priceless foul ball. Baseball is a language of very simple words that tell unbelievably magic tales. Baseball is three brothers in the same uniform on the same team for one brief summer, captured forever in a black-and-white photo on a table by the couch. Baseball is a glove on a shelf, oiled and tightly wrapped, slumbering through the stark winter months. Baseball is a breast pocket bulging with a transistor radio. Baseball is the reason there are transistor radios. Baseball is a voice in a box describing men you've never met in a place you've never been, doing things You'll never have the chance to do. Baseball is a dream that you never really give up on. Baseball is precious. Baseball is timeless. Baseball is forever. (laughs) So, so Seamus, I hope that was a little spark that you need during these late winter months to get you excited for the kids' game again, man, because in the end, who gives a shit who's playing where? It's the sport that we love. It's the game that we love. And despite where Mookie Betts is playing, baseball is, in fact, forever. And it's the game you fall in love with. It's not, it's not the guys. It's not, it's not the, the big money going around. It's not the big contracts. It's the game you love. And I hope that you watch baseball this summer, Seamus. And with that, 5 Tool Podcast. We're out. Don't widen the plate. It seems like we all the way before the drive-by Playing tag with Satan, but we it.